Somebody articulated very well to me. Yes. Sports happen on nights and weekends. When do you think you're going to work? Nights and weekends. So I was now going on like my second summer of not seeing any of my friends. Uh, I had like a conversation with one of the senior people there, you know, just picking her mind and stuff. And she's like, hey, listen, yes, be prepared. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss. And right off the bat, I was like, this, this, this is not for me. Like, I need to be there for that. Like, to be happy, you know, like the job's only one part of your life. Like, the job's got to fit into your life. Um, so I knew right there, I was like, ah, I don't think so. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After School Program, the podcast where we talk with successful young adults about how they navigate their lives and careers after school. I'm Zach McHale, and with me as always is my good pal, Connor Hine. Today's guest is Rob Breck. Rob is an account executive at Odyssey, formerly known as CBS Radio and Intercom. In this episode, we talk about Rob's role at Odyssey, working with his childhood idols, the difficulties of navigating the sports industry during COVID, Rob's earliest sports memories, why Rob switched from production and journalism to ad sales, and his experience at the Barstool Super Bowl weekend party in Miami. Here he is, Rob Breck. Yeah, so Breck, you wanna you are an integrated marketing specialist at WFAN. Um, so that's New York Yankees radio, right? I guess you wanna just tell us about your role there? Yeah, so um, the, the the LinkedIn profile is is not really accurate for for what I do nowadays. That's all I got. So so for, so I should definitely update that. I think that should be the uh, first thing of the podcast. But basically, um, I'm an account executive for Odyssey, which okay. a couple of years ago used to be CBS Radio. Um, it then transformed into Entercom Communications, and then we had a rebrand about a month ago. Uh, where we changed into Odyssey. So when I came out of college, I was originally hired to work at WFAN, which is the number one sports radio station in the country. Uh, we invented the sports radio, the 24-7 sports radio format. Um, and we're also the play-by-play home of the New York Yankees. Uh, so I started out there as a sales strategist. So literally like being the bitch of the sales staff, like whatever you needed done, I did it. You're making absolutely no money. You are doing all the grunt work. It is thankless work. Um, but that's how it started. And I was hired like right out of school and it was under CBS radio. And then about seven months into it, um, CBS radio and Entercom were trying to have a merger, but because they were, uh, I believe it was the second and the third biggest radio company, like audio producers at the time, it had to go through the Supreme Court because of antitrust laws. Oh, so I didn't know that. Seven months into me being in like this siloed, um, you know, sports role preparing to do FAN sales, so and Yankee sales, uh, it com- it becomes a completely new company, mm-hmm. and a lot of people got fired, and like my role changed completely. So in New York, uh, what was you know referred to as CBS New York and then Entercom New York, now Odyssey New York is seven different radio stations. So you have WFAN, which is Sports 24 7, uh, 1010 Winds and CBS 880, which are the two biggest uh, news radio stations in the country. Um, we have four music properties. And now we also have the Mets play by play as well. And we sell it in English and Spanish. So my role uh, after the merger, like the amount of assistance, because there used to be like two or three assistants uh, per station, it dwindled down from like 10 or 13, in like a three month span to just three assistants for all seven stations. So um, 
I, so were you just getting like work dumped on you then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so here, here's, yeah, big time. So, um, one of the things that I'm grateful for is, you know, when I, when I interviewed for the job, I was told specifically, they were very honest about it. They're like, listen, you know, you do a strategist for a year. It's like pledging. And then like you get to sell and, you know, like you're going to learn all the ins and outs and stuff. So before even the merger, I was pretty much the direct assistant for uh, the Yankees sales play-by-play manager and managing all of our Yankee tickets, which is like 120 per game. Uh, the FAN sales manager's direct assistant. And then the top sales guy in New York, I did all of his work. And that was before the merger happened. And all those other um, properties sort of fell underneath my responsibility. Yeah. So is that like managing like the schedules of them and, and setting up meetings? So, yeah. It's like, uh, it's managing. So basically it's like inputting orders, pulling air checks, uh, creating proposals, uh, orchestrating, like let's just say like somebody, somebody needs rates from three different stations or like, you know, uh, you need to find out if Boomer Sison wants to endorse this product, all the stuff that a salesperson couldn't get to in the day. And like at, at some point with some people, I mean, if you're really just doing their jobs, um, right. but, but yeah, that, that was, that was sort of the responsibility that was taken on. And then when the merger happened, I wasn't just doing that for FAN and Yankees. I'm now doing it for, um, like seven different properties. And what's, you know, I did that for about 15 months and then I got promoted to be in sales. And what's great about Odyssey, formerly Entercom, is that it gives you the ability to sell across the nation. So we're, we're in the top 50 markets. Um, we're 40 major league, uh, sorry, we're 40 professional sports teams play by play. I think we're over 80 college, um, like official college, like, you know, flagship stations. Dang. So like, for example, like my, one of the the big deals I did this year, it's like a three team um, MLB deal where it's like Phillies, Mets, and Yankees. So I'm able to like pitch business like all across the country, which is nice. We have like 235 plus radio stations across the country. Um, and then like in addition to that, we sell like a bunch of digital products. So I do like SEO, SEM, uh, email marketing. Um, obviously, uh, like social is just so huge nowadays um ott otp which is like selling like the local sales inventory if you're like watching roku or like any of those streaming devices if there's any free content on there Damn, so you're covering pretty much any type of marketing at all for this yeah 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 so like it actually um what's nice about like the change in philosophy was like when i started as an assistant if you were doing sales for fan or the yankees you were just selling fan or the yankees now and like when you when you found somebody you would try to you know i guess sort of fit your product into their problem which now like when i come to a prospect or a client i ask what their problem is and now i have this whole array of products that i can choose from so um you know originally like when this big merger happened and it's like oh my gosh like i got into this being being sports like how could i be working for an alternative station how could we how could i be working for a news station um it was actually like the greatest blessing ever. Like a good amount of my business that I do like is predominantly in sports and in like the sports uh, talk format. But I've got a bunch of business on um, the news stations, a bunch of business in like Spanish. You know, I've sold um, a lot of targeted streaming. That's like the whole the future of advertising is all targeted. Like right, yeah, you can just hyper target audiences. Exactly, like geo yeah. and behavioral. And what's really cool is you can do that with audio now. So um, like right. that. 
that's that's the new hot thing in the streets as yeah <laughs> yeah um, but yeah so it's uh i need to update the linkedin profile yeah <laughs> yeah no that's all right exactly I, I appreciate the correction i'm just trying to do my homework <laughs> over here <laughs> how's that feel when you when you get a big sale down it's sick it's sick there's nothing like it so sales is uh sales is incredibly incredibly stressful because you're like I, I like to compare everything back to sports. I think that's how I, I conceptualize things a little bit better. Um, and it's like each year, you know, you start fresh at zero and you're judged off your numbers. Uh, so like when, when you get those those big sales and like these these things take months. A lot of like it's been very rare that I've had like a, a deal turn around in like a week or something or something like that. But um mm-hmm. you get like those big ones, I mean there's nothing like it. You kind of bump into people around on the radio show, right? You're pretty friendly with those guys. Yeah, I mean that's like one of the coolest, coolest things in my job is um, I grew up listening to the radio station and the people who I grew up idolizing, like I, I, I I've now like considered friends. So, like a quick example is I sadly suffered from the disease of being a Jets fan. <laughs> self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, self-inflicted, but um, basically being a Jets fan in Connecticut there was you know your patriots and giants there was nothing for jets except for the midday show on wfan uh joe benigno and evan roberts and like i was obsessed with sports radio growing up like the whole reason i got into sports was from listening to the yankees on the radio with my dad so john sterling um you know sports radio rants i know that that sounds just very weird but like the first time i ever heard joe and evan it was because i was googling sports radio rants i must have been like what do you mean rants? like just times they just like teed off on something yeah or? yeah you should look at just like dude, uh, if you look times. at like a good wip like eagles after a big loss like shit gets you fired up <laughs> so like as somebody who's always been obsessed with like sports media like that was a thing i did when i was like 11 or 12. uh that was my time on the computer and like the first time I heard a Joe and Evan rant, it, it was like, oh my God, like that is, it was the first time somebody had ever articulated how I felt about the Jets. And um, when I started at FAN, I was right outside Joe's office, you know, it began, you know, like just him, like even seeing who I was, was a big deal. And like the friendship developed to the point where, you know, we're very good friends. We were at the, we we're going to Jets games together. You know, he's mentioning stuff that I, like he's mentioning me on air. Uh, we were at the uh, we we're at the uh, the Monday night massacre where Sam Darnold saw a ghost. We we're sitting next to each other. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really cool. Like Boomer Sison is you know on the morning show. Uh, yeah, I'm friendly with him. Like I've uh, Bart awesome. probably gave me my greatest moment as a Jets fan, and he was working at the station. Like he's I've gotten drinks with him. Like I consider him a friend. He had me on his radio show. Uh, so it's been it's been incredibly cool. Yeah, you've I've been able to meet uh, a lot of a lot of people who um, I looked up to in sports media and then these athletes themselves. So I've been able to get in uh, get in some some good comments to some people who you know I like and some people who I don't like as much. But yeah, 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 you do have some hard opinions there, but you don't seem like someone who'd really get starstruck either. And just like not know what to say. Like, I feel like you always know kind of what to say to those guys or, or not afraid to like give them shit or something like that. Yeah. I've, uh, in those situations, you got to be quick on your feet. You definitely got to be quick on your feet. Um, so a a good one. Uh, so I had to escort Joe Montana to, uh, to the Boomer and Geo studios and like, you know, 
Joe is intimidating in, in himself. His wife is like twice as intimidating as Joe. And then <laughs> like three of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. And like, I'm bringing them up. And so Boomer is the morning show host and Montana beat Boomer. Uh, Super Bowl where he like points, hey, look, is that John Candy in the crowd? And we like that's first Boomer. Okay, yeah. I, I'm in the elevator, I'm like, and I just go, yeah, Jeff, did you bring the Super Bowl ring to show to Boomer? And like he starts cracking up, and like it's all funny and shit. And then like he goes on air, and Boomer like opens it up, talking about how this this guy beat me in a Super Bowl, yada yada yada. And Joe Montana's like first words are like, well, your buddy was telling me I should have brought <laughs> ring. I was like, that's that's like that's like the coolest. Thing yeah, ever. that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> hilarious dude yeah i guess how was that at the station then um when when covid hit yeah so crazy story about covid so um all the major league baseball deals are cut before the season and that's like vast majority of my and uh to give the audience a little insight on how uh baseball baseball works when it comes to advertising it's on a per game basis when it comes uh to radio and television at least from all the deals that, that I'm aware of. It's different from like in-stadium signage. So you're charging people for, let's just say, two commercials per game. So uh, COVID hit. It was like around March 12th where everything got canceled. So um, a guy who I work with had, he's had a lot of success selling baseball, basically takes January through opening day off from drinking, off from going out, and just works on selling. And I tried that last year. Um and so forward to March, like I've got a couple million dollars pending in business for the upcoming season. That's going to happen in 14 days. Um, and another one of my clients is big three basketball, which is ice. Cream league. Yeah. So I'm out to dinner with my uncle. I feel like I'm about to make it. Like and says, like my second year in sales, like, you know, I feel like, Holy shit. Like, you know, the big payday is coming. And uh, I had organized for ice cube to come into the studio the next the, uh, on March 13th to come into the studio with Clyde Drexler to talk about the big three. Like it was part of their advertising deal. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget it. I'm at, uh, I'm at dinner with my uncle, uncle Stan. And, um, oh. he's, he's chopping my ear off about some bullshit my phone. And it says Rudy Gobert has tested positive for Corona for COVID. And I just said, Oh, fuck. That was that was a really that was one of the really big turning points when Rudy Gobert that felt like it seemed cool. like that turned the whole sports world like was like whoa it, really it turned the whole world the NBA is like how a lot of people found out that COVID was going to be serious I was at my buddy's house and we were watching games and Rudy like you said they announced Rudy Gobert had COVID and then like one game didn't start and another game I think the Bucks game was like at halftime and they didn't come back out and play. Yeah. And like another game, they were shooting warm-ups and one team left the court and the other team stayed out there. And like that's when people knew it was serious. It was like, they're canceling games in the middle of them. This is going to be bad. Yeah. And part of the added to the story was that he was the guy screwing around, not taking it seriously. And then it so did. it was that just was so like, bad. it made everyone like... That almost like ruined him and Donovan Mitchell's uh, right. like relationship. Right, all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it, it was... It was so shocking because if you remember, the Big East tournament was starting the next morning. Right. And that's when, uh, you know, people are there. Like, I'm, I'm very lucky that through the people who I work with, who I'm friends with, like, I know people who are covering the fucking Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. My buddy Zach Gelb was there and um, his dad sits right across from me. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? But like the 
the to to finish the you know the night of stuff. I've got yeah. I've even quite Drex sort of coming into the studio the next morning. And I get this shit out like at 10 o'clock at night, I get an email from my guy being like, yeah, like we're announcing that the season's postponed on the show tomorrow. So like Ice Cube's coming to the show to announce that it's postponed. So like I go in and at that point, it was a Thursday, like uh, people in New York had been sent back like Monday, Tuesday. I remember that Wednesday we had a meeting like where, you know, people were like, if you don't want to come into the conference room, don't come into the conference room. Ice Cube shows up, is with the president, like my guy, like we're touching elbows. Mm-hmm. Um Clyde Drexler couldn't make it because he didn't want to get on a flight. Uh, and they announced like on the air that they were canceling the season. Um, so that was nuts. And then like following that, uh, we lost so much money. I mean, including myself uh, from just like none of the baseball deals. Like it is my dad works in finance. And so I experienced a lot of the financial crisis, like up close and personal. Uh, this was the sports industry's equivalent of the financial crisis yeah. the longest time in over a hundred years that the major four sports did not play. I mean, our saying, and I, I truly do believe this, like you should advertise when things are good. You need to advertise when things are bad. Um, but yeah, like there was, I mean, my, our, our cluster, like our, like our company as a whole, like revenue wise is still trying to recover from all of 2020. I mean, it was, yeah, it was really, really bad. Yeah. I, I was just looking up some of it. I mean, it, it's pretty cool that some of the hosts were willing to take some pay cuts just to help things kind of stay afloat there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, a lot of people. I mean, a lot yeah. of people took pay cuts. Yeah. Right. Friends who got fired. Um, yeah. It was a scary time. Like we, yeah. like, you know, that, that the start of Q2, like I remember, getting a call from my boss at 815 being like, oh shit, like this is the call. And he was just calling you. I just want to let you know you're not getting fired. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, why the hell are you calling this? Thanks. <laughs> right. So they sent out like a whole like big email. Like it was actually like, it's a mind fuck. Like they sent out an email saying that like people are going to get let go to that at like eight o'clock. And like, I just hadn't looked at my phone yet. So thank God he called me before I saw the email. Yeah. Right. Yeah. COVID has been nuts. Uh, the whole work from home environment has been tough because like, a huge, um, a huge pro of the job was feeling like you're part of the station. You know, like there is nothing better, nothing better in the world than showing up to my job on a football Monday after a big Jets loss or after a big thing. Cause like, it just, everybody's talking about it. Like, yeah, like it's just like such a good energy. You feel like part of the fan. Cause you know, like somebody goes on here. It's like, yeah, that sales guy, Rob was saying the most ridiculous shit. I can't believe he's talking about a fucking preseason game, you know, without the curse and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now's a good point to go back uh, just to growing up. I mean, what's your first sports memory as a kid? The, the thing that like my, my family talks about is nobody in my family is Jets fans. Um, that they, they've concluded like how I'm a, a Jets fan is allegedly, I guess, the, like the first like really big sporting event I got into like as, a, as like a kid. Uh, my mom is from Michigan. It was like a Michigan State football game and they wear green. And I guess through the transitive uh, property of color, uh, I associated that with, with the jets. Um, so like, that's like in my family, like the first big sports moment that, you know, they talk about, but I think like for me, like where, like, I, I realized like the power of sports and like, this is like, it's going to sound like sort of stupid because it kind of came from a loss. But, uh, in 2003, uh, the jets missed, uh, going to the AFC championship game, uh, because Doug Bryan, who's this kicker, uh, first the Steelers missed like, a field goal from like 27 yards at the end of fucking regulation and then 45 yards to begin overtime. 
And like, I have never felt like at that time in my life, like I'm 2007 or eight, like I had never felt that sort of devastation. And like, I think like the, the power of, you know, just like the heaviness of it, like, like really grabbed onto me. And I think like the beautiful thing about sports is you get so emotionally invested into these teams, into these brands. Like it means so much to you, but in reality, it doesn't mean a thing. Like yeah, it's, it's so yes. irrational and that's why it's so awesome. <laughs> exactly. But like, you're able to like in the real world, like if I was like, let's just say something that matters. If I cared as much about the jets as I did, like my bank account or something yeah. like that, you know, like it would be a completely, you know, you'd be freaking out 24 seven. You'd be an anxious wreck. But yeah. like with the jets, I spent all my time thinking about goddamn is Zach Wilson going to be any good? But that's <laughs> my life. But it's how it's how I spend my time. Like it's the yeah. greatest. Uh, it's the greatest distraction in the world, and um, it's become my life. So you know, and it's always been my life. Like that's the thing. Like the, one of the hardest things about COVID was that for my entire life, when I would get home from school, whatever it was, I would watch sports. Mm. That's it. And I didn't know what to fucking do. Did you did you say that you're a Jets fan basically by mistake? Did I yeah. hear that right? Yeah, that, there's no well, there's no lineage. That's just like, awesome. That the, the fact that you love the Jets as much as you do, and it's all just on a mistake. Well, well and the rest of the family is like Giants fans, so then you're just watching <laughs> the success in the mid two thousands. Yeah, that's the thing. Like my dad is a diehard Giants fan, and like my mom's a Lions fan. So then, when did you decide that you wanted to work like in or around sports? Uh, that's sort of been a thing my entire life. I think like the the moment I realized I was going to play a quarterback for the Jets, it was you know like how how can I get? Hey, it's not too late. Man. When was Don't no that, that was Cons, that, that was just last year. <laughs> he no, finally. Okay. Here's the, the thing: I, I probably could play quarterback for the Jets. <laughs> for the recent things. So uh, it was like I've 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 always always known that like um the the, the greatest gift my parents have ever given me is um, the ability to pursue what I want to do in life and. Sports has always been the only thing I cared about. Sports, like sports talk radio, sports, that's that's it. Big um, sports guy. Big sports guy. Big sports guy. But no, like seriously, like when, when I told you guys like during Corona, like it was really tough for me when there weren't sports on at nights. It like I meant it. Like it, it's it's so much a part of my life. Um watching sports. I mean, the Yankees are on 162 games a year, you know, so that's like that's a nightly thing and like the Jets have been ruining Sundays my entire life. Like, you, know. <laughs> you actually don't want to hang out. Rob won't hang out if the, if the Jets lose. Like, he'll be a grumpier person. I, yeah, I, uh, I can't tell you how many family dinners I have ruined <laughs> on Sundays. Like, like I, it's it's a problem. It's a problem that I'm working on. But uh, but but basically, like my my parents like have were always very. Um, very insistent that like I pursue something that, that I want to do. And, um, right off the bat, I knew it had, it had to be in sports. So from then on, it was sort of figuring out what that was. And I think at first, um, I, I would have loved to be like John Sterling or Rich Samini. So John Sterling is the play by play, uh, announcer for the Yankees who, you know, I'm now friends with, like he, he voices my, uh, clients commercials. Um, you know, I sit up in the box with him and then Rich Samini is uh, the beat writer for the Jets. So I thought journalism was sort of going to be my route, but in the back of my head, you know, I, I always, I mean, like the, the dream had always been like to be like the president or like a general manager of the team. Uh, and I just wasn't sure how I was going to get there. So um, in high school, 
me and my buddies like created like the the fan section um of like our our school which was like fun we, you know, we called it we we're the greenwich cardinals so it was called it the cardinal crazies you know so i enjoyed like being in like the organizing of, like sort of an organization and stuff and then uh when i went to penn state um like i applied to all journalism schools you know i knew i wanted to go to a place that had like a big sports program and, and journalism was like the traditional route to do that i, I wasn't 100 sold that that was going to be the thing to make me happy but i i there was like the best i knew off the bat right, there, isn't right. a, there isn't a school to go be a general man like <laughs> at that time like back in like 2012 like analytics weren't as much a part of the game like i feel like if i was in somebody's shoes now it was like a high school where i'd go get an analytics and like you know um yeah like like, like a degree like that to so basically dive into the numbers and that's how i would try to get into the front office but mm -hmm. the thing that um so basically i just went to penn state wanting to do journalism i had done some writing before i was a really good writer i enjoyed writing uh, i loved writing and reading like they were my best subjects um so when i went to penn state and like i think this is the the biggest piece of advice i can give is you have to have internships you have to try out different things in different fields and instead of and what internships do instead of looking you know because i don't think you're going to find your dream job at an internship it's more of finding out what you don't want to do and so mm -hmm. it's almost like a process of elimination so uh, my internship career, I started at the Connecticut Tigers, which um, when talking about like your first like sports moment, one of the first that I could bring back to is um, growing up in Mystic, Connecticut, we had uh, the Yankees double A team, which then was the Norwich Navigators. Um, you know, so those were, those were my first like going to the ballpark experiences. I ended up interning for them uh, sophomore going into junior year. And it was an unpaid internship from May 12th, the day I went back to school, I had 12 days off. I was everything from uh, the mascot to, <laughs> you know, uh, literally uh, selling hot dogs, selling tickets, like going into the community, selling out pocket schedules, uh, being in the dugout to literally like do the YMCA and, you know, comb the fields or in the seventh inning stretch, like every single aspect of a minor league baseball organization I did it. That's huge, actually, to get that full holistic view of it. Exactly. So, but at the time, I was pissed. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're sweating your balls off in the exactly. mask. I'm, I'm, I'm literally like the only money I made that summer. I made a hundred dollars that summer, and it was because they paid me to go to client events in the mascot uniform. And literally, is <laughs> that like a golf course? I'm in a tiger uniform, driving a tiger van. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, they're having me take swings with a golf club like and it's a hundred awesome. like degrees out it was awful but it was one of the greatest experiences because you know right off the bat i had done all these things and you know i, I it began to like you have to like there there's only so much you can learn about a profession from reading about it or hearing about it or mm -hmm. you just got to go out and do it so like i went and i worked for a team and i saw that and i was like that not for me like, so basically you have to be at the stadium, you know, for a one o'clock game, got to be there at like 10 for even a seven o'clock game. You got to be there like 11 or 12. And then you don't leave till two hours after the final pitch. So like, I wasn't seeing any of my friends, wasn't making any money. Like besides from the fact that it was an unpaid internship, like, um, you know, I think another like big thing is like when you're, when you're working at, 
at places, you want to see somebody there, somebody that you're like, that's what I want to be. And that, and like the people who I worked with at the Connecticut Tigers were fucking awesome. Taught me some of the best lessons in my life, but I, I just didn't see myself there. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't what I saw. So when I went back to Penn state, it was all about like finding that, that next internship. And, um, you know, I was applying a bunch of places. I ended up interning for the state college, um, for Penn state baseball and the state college spikes, like running their video cameras and like doing all the production. Um, which like if you're Zach, you went to Penn state, Connor, I know you visited, um, doing baseball games in March and Penn state outside is awful. And, you know, like though it was very cool to work the cameras and stuff. Like the guy who ran, it was crazy, you know, getting screamed at your, you know, again, making $8 an hour, like something, something ridiculous like that. And that was, that was cool. And I saw the side of that and like halfway through that, like as the summer was approaching, I was lucky enough to get a job at NBC sports. Uh, for the summer covering the Olympics as a digital editorial intern, where basically, um, you know, you had full reign of, of the website. Like when an article comes in, like it was your job to place it on the website with the correct title, correct photo. Uh, you're, you have complete editorial charge of the website. So you're placing what stories are first when something breaks. You know, and I was able to write some articles. Uh, and I was- the Olympics in Russia? Is that where they were? No. So this one, uh, this was uh, in Brazil. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This was a, this was the Ryan Lockheed. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. With all the weirdness. Yeah. Uh, but that was sort of a similar situation. Both that and you know to go back to the the college baseball, where you know somebody articulated very well to me. Yes. Sports happen on nights and weekends. When do you think you're going to work? Nights and weekends. So I was now going on like my second summer of not seeing any of my friends. Uh, I had like a conversation with one of the senior people there, you know, just picking her mind and stuff. And she's like, Hey, listen, yes, be prepared. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss. And right off the bat, I was like, this, this, this is not for me. Like I need to be there for that. Like to be happy, you know, like the job's only one part of your life. Like the job's got to fit into your life. Um, so I knew right there, I was like, ah, I don't think so. Uh, but one of the great things about NBC sports is I was able to get exposure to other parts of the business. And they ended up moving my seat next to this guy, Ralph, who his job was basically um, when you're watching the Olympics, like you have your uh, national commercials then you have your local commercials. Right. So like when you're watching like on, on NBC, you'll see something um, for Wendy's and then it'll be, you know, the local New Jersey Toyota dealer. Right. So like basically his job was working with the local affiliates to make sure that the commercials ran. But I sat next to him and I saw this whole process and I was, you know, this guy was leaving at five every day and, you know, it was just corny. I was like, all right, that's, that's sort of cool. And then when I went to, um, you know, back from my senior year, I met with Bob Martin, who's the head of uh, the Penn state, like career services. And I told him, you know, I ran down the list. And at the time I had another internship, like literally being a sports reporter for center County. So CCR, it's like, uh, it's the equivalent of like the fund for Penn state communication students. That's important. You literally produce like a real show once a week. And I was, I was the sports guy for it. So like on television, like talking, like, yeah, it was cool, but I, I hated it. I was like, I really want to do this. Yeah. Did you I, wear a suit? Yeah. Oh yeah. This was on, this was on television. Like it was on, you know, the local, you know, cable channel too or whatever. Um, but it just wasn't for me. Like everybody was like putting on a persona when they got on and stuff. And I was just, I, I, it just wasn't for me. And thank God I had tried it out. 
because I thought that's what I wanted to do. I, and that's what I would have would have guessed you would, would have wanted to do. Just being in a space where you can talk about sports all the time. But yeah, if you're feeling like if it's not genuine or it's very stiff or. Exactly. So like with, with the on-air stuff, I found it to be, you're putting on an act, you're playing a character where like I had spent so much time in the radio side of it at school and also growing up, like the radio side, you're just yourself. You're just talking like it just, so like, I was like this being on air stuff isn't for me. And then they had this one day where they showed possible jobs you can get on set and the salaries that came with it. Mm. So this was at my senior year. And at that point, uh, the people in my fraternity, like the vast majority of them, 95 of them, business majors or engineers. So they came back from their senior year and they already had their jobs and they're already talking about their salaries. And like, I, I like if it were, I don't, I don't think anybody was making under 55. So like when I'm seeing, you know, 15K a year, 20K a year, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And I'm being told this senior year, if you had shown me this in freshman orientation, I would have gotten the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. So, but the good thing is, is that Penn State has a wonderful career services. One of the reasons why I went to Penn State is because specifically for the communication school, they have a communications career fair in New York City. It's called Success in the City. It's literally why I went to Penn State. Um, and they literally take six buses full of Penn State students, drive them out to New York to be with the biggest communications companies uh, in New York City, just Penn State in them. And uh, that is how I ended up getting my job at the fan was, you know, I saw that they were going to be there. Um, Bob Martin had told me the head of Penn, uh, the Penn State Career Services, like when I ran through my concerns, he was like, you're looking for a job in ad sales. And um through that conversation with Bob Martin and then, you know, Zach, I know, I know you remember this from when we lived the other senior year, just a million informational interviews with people around uh, the sports industry. Like, you know, I, I was talking to anybody who would pick up the phone and talk to me. So, you know, people who work for teams, networks, agents, you know, if a friend knew a friend, like, let me talk to them. And one of the, the things that kept coming up, it was like, if you want to get on the business side of sports, you need a revenue generating role. So you can say, hey, man, this is how much I bring to your company. So when I saw that uh, CBS Radio and WFAN and the Yankees Radio Network were, you know, we're going to be there. Uh, well, it was just CBS Radio. And then I went on their website. And I saw they had an opening for it. Um, you know, I was I had circled them as like one of the three people I was going to, you know, big ones that I was going to talk to. Had the elevator pitch, you know, ready to go. Um, and I. I I remember it to this day because like I, I dropped uh, Charlie Steiner and Charlie Steiner was the Yankees play by play um, announcer with John Sterling, like up until like 2002, 2003. And then Susan Wallman came. That was the, that was the first pairing. <laughs> and like my, my big line that I said, and so I like, ran through my whole you know career spiel. And I was like, listen, like the, the best piece of advice I got um, from a guy, the Connecticut target, the Connecticut Tiger, which is completely true. It's like, if you're going to be in sales, you have to sell something that you're passionate about. And there's nothing that I'm more passionate about than the Yankees radio network and WFA. And like, I, I remember those guys like, like looking up and, and I, I just remember this guy, uh, his name was Eric Spitz, who he's now the head of all serious programming. Oh, uh, wow. He said to David Marinek, who is the head of now all CBS sports programming. Uh, Cause that's like, that's a part of, of our company as well. They said, we, we got to give, uh, we got to give this guy's resume to Zuckerman, who is my boss now. So, um, uh, I gave him, you know, gave him my information and stuff, gave him the resume. 
about, you know, probably two weeks later, my boss called me to tell me I wasn't getting the job. Mm-hmm. I had ever talked to him. The first thing he said, he's like, yeah, we don't hire people right out of college, but you know, like maybe, you know, like down the line. <laughs> this guy loves telling you when things aren't happening. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting You're fired. Not hired, You're not fired. <laughs> yeah. it's, dude, we, we could do a whole podcast episode on, on the great Mark Zuckerman. <laughs> yeah. As fate has it, like two weeks later, uh, the person who had my role decided to go to law school. And so I got a call like midway through our senior week. It's like, hey, you, you, can you come in and interview next week? I went, I interviewed, got offered the job two days later. I started the next week. And, wow. you know, in June, it will be four years. So, Congrats. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. But so it all, it all sort of worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot, lot of twists and turns, but really processed by elimination there. Exactly. And like, just like along the way, it's like I knew things that, had to go. I, I needed it to be as close to nine to five as possible. I needed it to be. I needed to be able to make competitive money to be able to live in New York City and, and do the things that I wanted to do. And that's what you get through a sales role. Um, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, when you, if you go into the process by, you know, the process of elimination, by, you know, identifying things that, that just you can't do, it, it makes things just so much simpler. Like, I knew for a fact I could not work weekends. Um, I still work occasionally if I have to go to a Yankee game with my client, but that's pretty fun. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, if you told me back like when I was 17, dude, yeah, you're going to be working the weekends, but you're going to be staying up watching a baseball game and, and editing that. Like I have very good friends who work for MLB Network, cutting footage till late at night. Guess what? They're not doing it anymore because they were miserable. They weren't seeing any of their friends and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so like that was that was a big thing for me, you know. Had to had to be close to nine to five. Had to be a more competitive salary, um, and like through that, you know, you just start dwindling it down. And that's that's the advice that that I've given to you know my siblings, anybody who I ask for. It's like when you go into these situations, identifying what you don't like is a lot easier than you know going in and being like, I have to figure out where my dream job is here because it, it it might not be, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great advice. What what is like the biggest uh schmooze event you uh you've been to besides a Yankees big, game? Or maybe maybe it is a Yankees game. Maybe you sat in the owner's box. I don't know. Uh so the coolest so I've done some some pretty crazy stuff at Yankee Stadium. Like I've, you know, watched Yankee Red Sox games from the broadcast booth and stuff. That's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh but probably I have to say the coolest thing that's happened to me uh, was the like a couple months before the pandemic, like literally, literally a month and a half before the pandemic. Um, my clients were sponsoring Boomer and Geo at the Super Bowl, so I went down to Miami to entertain them. And so I was at Radio Row, like on set, uh, just hanging out. You know, I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, you know, I'm wearing the colors like the WFN logo, so. You know, I'm saying like PFT was the first person who I saw when I walked in there. I'm bullshitting with Big Cat, like Brian Dawkins and his big ass pull dog are right behind me. Like, oh, that's awesome. Aura is, you know, and I are sitting right next to each other shooting the shit. Cause like that was incredible. Like, I kid you not, like the the one thing, like when I was growing up, like, and this is, this is gonna sound stupid, but like being a part of like the New York sports scene and more like a part of the national sports media scene, that's all I want. All I wanted. That was the goal. Like, and then to like be there 
at Radio Row with my press pass, you know, on set, like, you know, like trying to close business, showing my clients around, like, I'm in, my clients were huge Bears fans. I'm introducing them to Mike Singletary, you know, like that was, it was such a, that was, that was so cool. And like, you know, you'll, you'll enjoy this part of it. So through friends who I've made through the business and stuff, I run into my buddy uh, who works for an agency. He was like walking around with like Jordy Nelson and you know, we're just sitting there catching up and like Tua walks by, you know, and it's right after he got the surgery. And we're like, oh, he's limping a little bit, you know, like <laughs> I was cool. We're shooting the shit. And he goes and he's like, Hey, listen. Um, so like, you know, Burrow and, uh, you know, Bosa tonight, like there, we've got, we've got a table at the barstool party. You should come, you should come yeah. to our table. And I was like, yeah, I, I think I will. Uh, so, uh, my buddy Drew was, was also with me in Miami. And so we ended up going to the barstool party and like, you know, on my, on my way to the table, because they had like, it was like when rough and rowdy was going on and stuff and they had like the table walking down underneath, like onto the fight. And I get there and like, it's, it's Andrew, his cousin, it's Joey Bosa, Joe Burrow, uh, KFC, PFT, Riggs, freaking um rob whatever his name rob woe is standing next to us with his kids like you know ian rapaport we're having a beer with ian rapaport like (laughs) it was it was stupid but one thing that i can say now because this this guy's not on our team as i'm walking around i see darnold's at a uh at a table with uh damian uh no it wasn't damian woody it was willie cologne nick mangle and ryan fitzpatrick and i go to drew i'm like yeah watch this because i need a witness and I went like right up to Darnold. I was like, listen, Sam. So for the audience reference, I went to Penn State. Sam Darnold went to USC in our senior year. He beat us in the Rose Bowl. Which was the greatest, one of the greatest games I've ever watched. Yeah, it was a good game. <laughs> I love that game. That game was a was shootout, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it would have been better if we won. <laughs> um, God damn you, motherfucker. But anyway, <laughs> I like I go up to him like, hey Sam, big Jets fan. Um Listen, like I was a senior at Penn State for the Rose Bowl. Like, you know, we got to get this shit together. You fucking owe me one. <laughs> <laughs> Went on and had my night. But uh, <laughs> and what did, did he, he say? say Who the hell are you? Get out of here. He like, looked at me like he had it. So he had just gotten thumb surgery. So like I shook it his hand and then I gave him the look. I was like, you know, fucking owe me one. I, <laughs> if, he had, if he had done anything for my football team, I would have given him the time of day. But motherfucker had done nothing, and I'm getting good riddance. Have fun in Carolina. I mean, listen, I'm telling you right now, you guys want easy money. All right, put some easy money on Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson having an amazing year this year. Just as, you know, like, yeah, probably. It's, it's 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 the easiest bet you can make. But um, yeah, that was being at the Super Bowl this year was uh, last year was definitely the coolest thing that. That, I've done. that yeah, sounds like an incredible experience. Yeah, it cool. sounds like it wasn't as good of an experience for Sam Darnold, but yeah, still, I'm sure he had a fun time. Yeah, but fuck that guy. Who cares? He's in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be a ruthless GM, Rob. What advice would you give to a student who's thinking about working in or around sports? Uh, get into a revenue-generating role. If you want to get involved with sports, a revenue-generating role, so that means sales, will allow you to work normalish hours in, in in most cases. Uh, I know like specifically like with the people who like work for the for the team itself, um, you'll have to be like the games and stuff. So that's that's a little bit different. 
Um, but the revenue generator role is where the money is. And the way to get on the business side of it, like where you're doing those really cool jobs where you're like making the decisions that, you know, affect people, right? You, you have to start in sales. You just have to start in sales. Um, so that would be, that would be my first piece of advice. I think secondly, just, this isn't even for sports, but, um, you know, just a, a good one for anybody like trying, if, if you have like that dream job, go for it. And you can't get, if you don't ask, like just simply, simply speaking, if you have a dream job, you can't get it. If you don't ask for it, like as somebody who does cold calls, like all the time now, like it used to be a fear of mine. Like I, I wish I had just, you know, directly message people on LinkedIn. Like it's the easiest thing to do. Worst thing they say is no. Like just for an informational interview or something like that. Uh, because literally the, the worst, the worst possible scenario is you end up in the same exact position that you're standing. Um, so I, I'd say go for it. Like there's literally nothing you can lose. Like I remember like being freaked out about like every email I would sell, I would send to like, you know, a, a potential employer, um, thinking like, oh my gosh, like these people are gonna read this and think I'm an idiot. No, nobody has time for that. Nobody has time for that. Everybody's in your shoes. Like you just have to do the work. And it's it's something looking back on, I wish I had done, I wish I had done more. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. That that kind of pairs into I was gonna say, uh, is there anything you wish you had done differently? Uh yeah, I think like the the one thing like looking back on it, like um there isn't a specific action that I would take back or do differently just because I, I ended up in a place where like, I, I am incredibly happy. I feel incredibly lucky. Like um, when I am going into work, like it's a place I'm excited to be. Uh, but I, I think like, w- like looking back on it specifically, um, you know, my, my senior year with the applications of jobs, um, you know, when you want to get into, into sports or media or entertainment, that's something that everybody wants to be. So they're they're hiring it when the openings happen. And that's that's in the spring, that's right after graduation. It's when those jobs become available. In contrast to your stereo, you know, to your typical business, finance, engineering, you know, your typical business role. Um, which I think that was very hard for me just because like the vast majority of my friends. Um, I want to say like 95% of Mikhail, you're, you, you, me and Thompson, like are, are probably one of only the, the few who um, just didn't have anything locked down. And I also think, you know, like going off that, like the whole comparative bullshit, like don't compare yourself to anybody. Like there, there are obviously like people who you want to aim to be like, I think. Um, but like, once you have like those goals in mind about like the certain position you want or like what you want out of life, like just blind yourself. And like, I sort of, I sort of wish that, I had a little bit more of that mentality of just blinders on focus on myself because I, I knew when, when they were hiring, it was at graduation. I, I, I knew that, uh, but I put unneeded pressure on myself because, you know, I, everybody else was getting jobs. Why, why, why aren't I getting, one? um, you know, so I just like looking back on that, you know, like obviously now like in, in hindsight 2020 it's like hey listen don't freak out about that but like when you're a senior um you know in college like it seems like the end of the world but it, it totally isn't like everybody everybody finds their path and i think like that's just you know people learn that with growing up but you know in hindsight i i wish i just had a better attitude so how would you define success 
I think that's that success is defined to the individual because everybody has a different metric. There isn't one singular thing, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not like, you know, in major league baseball, right. A 300 average is good. You know, everybody's in different fields. Um, but I would define success as, are you, are you happy? Like, I think like, that's like, at the end of the day, are you happy? Because like, what's, what's the point, you know, if you're working a million hours a week, making 250, 300 grand and you're miserable, what's the point? Yeah. I was very lucky in my first apartment to, uh, to work with guys who had much serious, more serious hours than I did. They worked in, in investment banking. You know, there's one roommate who I didn't see. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to, going to speak for them, but just like seeing that, that sort of lifestyle, um, that, that, that wasn't for me, but like, if you define success by how much money you're making, that they're, they're much more successful. But if you define it by, you know, happiness, like it just, I think it's, it's all up to the individual, Mm -hmm. all up to the individual. And I think like at the end of the day, if you're happy, that's going to tell you if you're successful, right. You know, like it it, it matters to the person. Like if, you know, I, I like to consider myself like a very driven person. So like my goals are very high. Like somebody might have, you know, goals that are lesser when they come and that's, and that's their stuff. So I don't think like there's, there's one, you know, sort of a metric to define success. I think success is defined individually. And personally, for me, how I see it is like, whatever you have to do to be happy. And, um, you know, I think like it, what comes into play is like work-life balance big time. Like that's a, that's a huge thing for me. Like, as we talked about before, like I, I needed to be able to go see my friends. I needed to have a social life. I needed to you know, feel like a part of like the group and stuff. Um, so I, I think it differs. Like, I think it, it differs to everyone and, and every individual. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What was the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best piece of advice I've ever gotten. I knew this question was coming, but I feel like I already gave it away. Um, my dad told me, and I think this is for just everybody straight off the bat that everybody should know there is no why in business. It's plain and simple. Like when you graduate and you're, you're on your own now, like your life is your business, right? Like whatever you're doing, do some work. There is no line whatsoever. Like, and, and when, when, when you realize that, because everything else aside, it clears up a lot of stuff. There's no bullshitting. There's no, you know, oh shit, I don't know the answer. I gotta get no, you go go find out the answer because there's no lying in business. Um, that that's a big one. Like, I don't I don't know why, but I've encountered it so many times through my professional career where people have have lied, have changed the truth and stuff, and people have gotten fired, relationships ruined. Like all you have when you are in business is yourself and your reputation. And like the second you start lying, the second you start adjusting the truth, it's it's down, down the toilet, gone, goodbye. So like when you go into, you know, like obviously like like don't lie, like that's like a big thing in life, but people lie, people lie all the time. Like, you know, it's, but when it comes to business, like none of that, all that. Uh, so that I think was the biggest, like one of the most important things I've, I've heard just because it sort of sets the baseline for how you conduct your work life. Like 
you know, it sort of defines like the person who you are, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's a, your foundation there. Because it yeah. takes a long time to build up trust and, and it can just crumble all within one day. And you see that happen countless times. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you are what your reputation is. Um, and then I, I would say like the second like big piece of advice that I heard that it, it wasn't even told to me. It was actually told by Boomer Sison to uh, Joe Douglas, who's the GM of the Jets. But it just changed the way that I, that I thought of things. Uh, he was talking about like, you know, Joe, like you're under a lot of pressure, all this stuff. We've got a lot of stuff to succeed. This is your concept. But as you know, pressure is a privilege. And I thought about that and I was like, holy shit. And it changed. I kid you not, it changed how I looked, how I looked at life. Like, you know, when you're under pressure to like meet a budget and stuff like that. Yeah. You can look at it like, oh shit. Or you can look like it. Holy fuck. I'm the luckiest guy in the world that I get the opportunity to make this money. That like I'm under pressure to do this because guess what? There's a million people out there who killed me in this situation. Like, goddamn, I'm under pressure, but like that is a privilege in itself. And like it, it's just such a more like grateful, I think, way to to look at the situation. And I kid you not, it is uh it's changed how I worked. So pressure is a privilege, I think. And like that can be applied to anything in life. You know what I yeah. mean? Like literally anything in life. But um it definitely changed how I looked at things. Yeah, any kind of obstacle that you look at, you can just kind of look at it from a, a sense of gratitude there, and it puts a different spin on it for sure. Attitude is is eighty percent of the battle. Yeah, Rob. I mean, thanks a ton for coming on here. This is great hearing your story, and I mean, you're chock full of uh, a lot of good advice there too. So I was just trying to squeeze you dry with everything <laughs> you had there. <laughs> so thanks yeah, a ton for advice, coming on. More. This was a lot of fun. No, thank you guys so much for having me. As I said, uh, this is going to make my mother's day uh, that I'm considered, you know, I, I young and successful that, that I'm being on. It's, also, on a, it's so, also coming Thank up. you so much for having me. Mother's Day is coming That's up perfect. too. So there you go. Yeah, it's it, it always falls on my birthday. So my mother and I love to celebrate that together. But thank you so much for having me, guys. I uh, love the podcast. It's an honor to be on. And I hope the audience likes me better than Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Breck, everybody. Thanks again for listening to another episode of After School Program. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at ASPPOD. And if you like the episode, please subscribe and tell a friend who you think would enjoy the show. Thanks again, and see you next week.